Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 117 of Left of Skeptic. My name is Brittany Lind. And I am Kayla Moria. And we are a paranormal podcast. Yes, we are. Kayla, how are you? I'm great. I just got back from visiting my mom this weekend. Hello, Kayla's mom. Because uh, when this comes out on Wednesday, mom's birthday will have been yesterday. Oh, nice. So happy birthday, mom. She wasn't mad that I, what did I tell her to fuck off last time? <laughs> <laughs> Not that she reported. Okay. She li- she giggled at last week's episode, so. Oh, good. I honestly don't even remember what happened in last week's episode, other than I remember I insulted your mother. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she took it seriously. Oh, good. Because <laughs> yep. it wasn't. It was just a, fuck you. <laughs> so we hung out, uh, played some heads up on the game, the cell phone game. Where you, like, guess things based on, like, what's on a thing in front of your forehead. It's fun. And uh, and uh, ate some good food, and, and it was a good time. More food updates. I love that. Yep. I love it. Love it. Love it. Everywhere you go, we got to talk about the food. I do. I just really like food. Dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was in the Twin Cities yesterday, and I made sure to stop by the herbivorous butcher before we, like, left. And I got two of my favorite sandwiches because there were only two left. And I was like, yep, buy them both. I spent $50 at the herbivorous butcher shop. Yeah, that'll happen. Because it, they're, they're sandwiches. They're big. They're hearty, though. Two meals, one sandwich. Well, yeah, absolutely. And then some fake cheese to share with my lovely coworker, Lori, because she is allergic to dairy. Oh, that would suck so bad. She has Horrible reactions to dairy. So I was telling her about the herbivorous butcher cheese, which is the best of the vegan cheese that's ever existed. Well, and then, I mean, just imagine living in the Midwest. And you can't and have cheese. There's there's nothing to eat here. Yeah. Like, that is a staple of every hot dish Yeah, in the world. Everything has dairy, cream, something. Yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad you had herb- herbivorous butcher I always have a hard time with that word. Yeah, that's okay. It's, it's a difficult one. Uh-huh. Other than uh, the, your lovely trip to the not butcher shop, how are you? I'm doing pretty okay. All right. Um, Dee's service was on Saturday, which is why we were down in the Twin Cities, and it was beautiful. I got I, I brought her some rocks because they set up an altar for her, and so people could bring things that they wanted to, like, give to her and so yeah no it was just it was really beautiful it was lovely to share stories with people I think the most meaningful thing that someone said is that one of the people who who stood up and spoke during the ceremony said that you know Dee loved to collect things she loved to collect rocks yep she loved to collect shoes and earrings and she's like and she loved to collect people like she collected people she did not hang out with people if she didn't want to she was very much like she will not waste her time on something that has like she's not interested in yeah so every person in that room was someone that she collected and one of the newer people to Duluth who had recently started hanging out with her was like I was so surprised when I was listening to all all everyone tell their stories because I felt like D and I had such an amazing connection and me and um, JG another local artist was we were like no 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 you did that's the thing D wouldn't spend any time on you unless you had a connection yeah 
but she was so specific and making sure that everyone she like interacted with felt special that like and then she yeah we were just her collection of people and so yeah and that's actually what I was about to say is uh it she had that way of making people feel special because me and her were not close at all right um and yet somehow like if I happened to run into her out and about she made a point to say hi to me Yep, and she would look at you. And, like, looked, and, and she just made, even in small interactions, mm-hmm. she made people feel special. That, so that was I'm a very glad it was a beautiful it was sort of service. Amazing, and I was really surprised, because if, if y'all don't know by listening to this podcast, I'm not a church person. Mm-hmm. This church was awesome. One, they had a whole section of bathrooms, like you'd walk in and there were multiple stalls, and it was... <laughs> Wait, then let me finish this thing. They so they were gender neutral and then they had men's bathrooms and women's bathrooms, but on the sign that said like a women's bathroom, it said, you know, this is for anyone who happens to identify as a woman. Like we are not like this is your it, they were gender affirming bathrooms yeah. and and then like and if you don't feel comfortable going in either of these specific gendered bathrooms, we have a gender neutral bathroom just over there. And I was like, that's so nice. Most churches don't have that. Most places don't have that, and they really should. I think it's, I, I was only giggling because you're like, they have this whole section of bathrooms. <laughs> bathrooms. Their bathrooms were amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, People have liked churches for less. Yeah, yeah. So I just <laughs> I just really appreciated their, uh, their uh, uh, dedication to everyone. Nice. Yeah, and then, I don't know, today... I reorganized the podcast, dude. It, it looks, looks great in here. I mean, everything is pretty much in the same place, but it's better. It's better. Now now all of our podcast friends will have to come back and see. Absolutely. Yeah. But I guess we should probably, I don't know, I should let you tell your story or something. Yeah, let's get started. Let's Let's crack into it. Let's do it. And we're back. Yes. So... I've got a Vegas story this week. Of course you do. Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. I, I actually don't know any I don't know other the other words, words of that, that either. <laughs> I'm uh, not an Elvis fan, but I know Viva Las Vegas. So I know blue suede shoes. But there's no Vegas reference in that. There is not. Oh, no. no. Anyway, today I'm going to tell you about two locations. Okay. The first is the Flamingo, which is where I stayed the last time I was there. Oh, you got to stay at the Flamingo? You know what that is. Yeah. So I stayed at the Flamingo uh, as part of the conference I had gone to. And actually, when I went to Vegas back when I was 20, we stayed at the Flamingo as well. Oh, so you haven't really spread out that much. No. uh, I've stayed at the MGM Grand also. Okay. But. You've been to Vegas three times? Well, way, when I was way younger before that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, So. Located on the Strip, the property of the Flamingo includes 3,460 hotel rooms, a 72,299-square-foot casino, many small stores and gift shops, uh, outdoor pools, restaurants, and shows that currently include Wayne Newton, okay, Piff the Magic Dragon, who is a comedian-slash-magician, and he comes out in like a dragon onesie. Okay. And X Burlesque, which I tried to go see, but there wasn't a show I could make it to with everything else that I had going on. Sad. I really want to see a Vegas Burlesque show. I bet you that kills. Oh, my God. I've seen documentaries about them. 
Hashtag fun fact. Yes. The inimitable Mr. Las Vegas, Wayne Newton, who is performing at the Flamingo, Mm -hmm. actually landed his first Vegas headlining gig in 1963 at the Flamingo. He has performed at various residencies up and down the strip for decades, and he's back at the Flamingo now as like a limited time thing. Aw, it's a little callback. Pictures of him everywhere. Uh, Yeah, that that makes sense. Yep. Um, So... The architectural theme of the hotel is very, like, art deco slash modern style. Like, it makes you think of, like, old school Miami and South Beach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, everything is in shades of white and pink from the hotel rooms to the various businesses to the external lighting that shines all around. Okay. It's all pink all the, the time. Flamingo. Yeah, that makes sense. Staying true to its theme and name, the hotel includes a garden courtyard, which serves as a wildlife habitat for flamingos as well as other waterfowl. And the hotel was the third resort to open on the Strip and remains the oldest resort on the Strip in operation today. And it has been since 2007 with the closure and demolition of the New Frontier. It also is the last remaining casino on the Strip that opened before 1950 that is still in operation. And the Flamingo has a Las Vegas monorail station called the Flamingo and Caesars Palace near the rear of the property. After opening in 1946, it has undergone a number of ownership changes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when the Flamingo opened in December of 1946, it was under the ownership of the famous celebrity gangster Benjamin Bugsy Siegel. Ah, uh, Bugsy. Uh, so... Well-known singer and comedian Jimmy Durante headlined the night's entertainment. Some of Bugsy's Hollywood friends, including actors George Raft, George Sanders, Sonny Tufts, and George Jessel were in attendance. Three Georges. Dude, just like three Georges Georges, apparently. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately for Bugsy, his and his investing partners, Mm -hmm. quote, investing Mm -hmm. partners, unquote, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. Mobster people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the grand opening of the Flamingo was a flop. What? How? Uh, basically, there was bad weather that kept many Hollywood guests from showing up. And because the gamblers had no rooms at the hotel, they took their winnings and gambled elsewhere. The casino, it's estimated they lost about 300000 in that first week of operation. Whoa. You'd think that they wouldn't do that because of the mobster connections. So Siegel and his New York partners had invested like well over a million in the property, which it was already under construction uh, by a gentleman named Billy Wilkerson, who was the owner of the Hollywood Reporter, as well as some very popular nightclubs on the Sunset Strip in West Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Did he suddenly disappear mysteriously? No. Okay. Um, so Wilkerson, in his attempt to, like, what he was doing with the Flamingo, was trying to recreate Sunset Strip in Vegas. Which ended up being the Strip in Vegas, I right, assume. Right, right. Because he was trying to go for, like, a European style with luxurious rooms, spa, health club, blah, blah, blah. But he ran out of money. Oh. Even with the amount of money they had already invested, he ran out of money into this venture. So That's embarrassing. Yeah, so uh, Bugsy and his buddies used the profits from another business venture to influence Wilkerson to accept new partners. And when that happened, Siegel took over the project and supervised the building, like ousting Wilkerson. And so he took over the project and named it after his girlfriend, Virginia Hill, who was an actress. Mm Mm-hmm. 
whose nickname was the Flamingo because of her red hair and long legs. Oh. So that's where the name comes from. I love that it's still that name. It's it's hopped around, but the Flamingo has been a main theme. I love that. So um, two weeks after the grand opening, the Flamingo closed down, and it reopened on March 1st, 1947 as the Fabulous Flamingo. Siegel had forced Wilkerson out in April, and by May, the resort reported a profit, but it wasn't enough to save Bugsy. Save him? Within six months of the opening, he was dead. Ah, yeah, I mean. So it's pretty well accepted that Bugsy was wildly mismanaging the property and skimming off the top. But they were already not making enough. But they were by this point. Okay. So within six months, they were like they were already turning a profit after the reopening. And so convinced that Siegel wasn't giving them the square count, like the official actual numbers. Yeah. Uh, it's wildly believed that his partners in organized crime had him killed while he was reading the paper on June 20th of 1947 at his girlfriend's Beverly Hills mansion. Virginia Hill was in Paris at the time. And at the same time, in Vegas, Lucky Luciano's men were notified of Siegel's death like right away and charged into the Flamingo announcing a change in ownership and Luciano was now in charge. So they they can't prove who killed Bugsy, but man, that's... The implications are there. Yes, exactly. Oh, like wow. that. Yeah. Okay, you guys couldn't see my shocked face. Like, the drama. <laughs> so Siegel had not only lost his life, but his dream desert hotel, and the crime remains unsolved to this day. Uh, yeah, because the police were probably also super corrupt, nor would you really want to get on the bad side of the mobsters who just killed one of the other big-time mobsters. Exactly. Surviving a series of slightly varied names and ownership changes, the hotel is known today as the Flamingo Las Vegas. The last of the original structures was torn down in 1993, and that included uh, Bugsy's Suite, also known as the Presidential Suite. Mm-hmm. But Bugsy's presence remains. Uh, a monument to the gangster sits in the courtyard. Oh. And there's no denying Siegel's association with the resort. Everybody knows he's the one that started it. Right. But more modern effort, efforts have uh, attempted to try to make it more of a, oh, he started this, what a guy, and less of the, he was a mobster, and who knows how many people died because of him, and so, you know, maybe this hotel was built on blood money kind of thing. Maybe there are bodies underneath the foundation. <laughs> we don't know. And even though he died across the country, many people believe that Siegel has still not left the property. His spirit came back uh, to his little desert paradise, and his ghost haunts the flamingo. Some say it's because the flamingo is the cause of his death. Right. That, yep. And some say it's because he loved it so much and he wanted to stick around because he never got to see how popular and successful it became. So he's just walking around being all like, yeah, I started this. <laughs> Though the ghost's motivations are unknown, it's pretty well established that the place you are most likely to encounter Siegel's ghost is in the wildlife ho- habitat and gardens. I mean, that's where I'd hang out. Hotel guests co- uh, consistently report seeing a ghostly figure in the Flamingo's garden right by the memorial of Bugsy Siegel. Of course, there is no definite description, so it could be someone other than Bugsy, but I have to wonder who else would just be hanging out around his statue 
in the afterlife. Right. Yeah. You think it would just be him and being like, I wonder if they're going to recognize me. <laughs> and uh, it may not be only the courtyard that is haunted either. A review posted to TripAdvisor in August of 2018 states, It was a girl's trip, and we have two connecting rooms for the four of us. We were there for eight nights. Of the eight nights, three of them were not so great. One night, I was woken up by the sensation that I was pulled sideways very quickly. I didn't think much of it and went back to sleep. Another night, the same thing happened again, but this time more intensely. It took me a while to go back to sleep, but on my last night, my roommate had left. I was up until about 3 a.m. not able to fall asleep. I finally woke up at 4, remembering myself saying, leave me alone over and over again. I got up and turned on the bedroom and bathroom lights and went back to bed. At about 5 a.m., I woke up feeling something really painful in my upper back. It felt like something grabbing me from behind. I was really scared and jumped out of bed, ran to my friend's room next door, woke them up, and told them what happened. Needless to say, I did not go back there to sleep. It's not one night, it's three nights, which makes me think something is wrong with that room. I contemplated whether I should call or not call, thinking they would probably not believe me. Finally, I called the Flamingo manager when I got back home and told him what happened. Danny said that he had not heard of any complaints like that. He's going to log in our conversation, no reports filed, nor do they intend to do anything about it since no one else has had the same experience. I have traveled around the world and stayed in many hotels and never had I had such a scary experience in my 50 plus years. I really feel compelled to write about this, so if any of you out there who had a similar experiences, you should call them and let them know and write a review to warn others so that people did not have to suffer the scary and sleepless nights I had. Unquote. I don't know how I feel about that. There's a little bit of the room is haunted, I want my money back, and, or, yeah, I mean, that's basically what they're saying, and I don't know. I just. I don't know. She didn't post anything about wanting her money back. Well, they they weren't willing to do anything about it after she was already home. I guess I just I guess I didn't get that vibe, but I can see what you're saying. Yeah. Um. So one room was reported haunted, but the rest of it all seems very consistent. Seeing a, it's all very general. I saw a ghostly figure by the statue or in the habitat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how many people go like have experiences and then don't write reviews online? Like, I don't think I would write a review if I had a ghostly experience. Oh, I, totally I think would. I would just say it on the podcast. Oh, I totally would I'd be like, you guys want a haunted experience? Go here. Stay in this room. Okay. okay. But that would require me to have one. Uh, what did I call you? Uh, it's, the- it's something about the non haunted. Yeah. Chronically unhaunted. (laughs) Um, As we've discussed before on the podcast, when we've mentioned like offhand Vegas locations, Mm -hmm. Vegas has a long history of mobsters and celebrities. Yep. So it makes sense that places are going to be haunted. Um, But if you're looking to shop around for some, maybe the strip isn't exactly for you, or maybe you're looking for more celebrity and less mobster type of spooky, right? Mm-hmm. Might I suggest the Westgate? I don't know anything about the Westgate. I don't think I've ever even heard about that. So just one block away from the Strip, this resort directly connects to the Las Vegas monorail, like the same one that connects to the Flamingo. It offers easy access to the Vegas Strip, and uh, the hotel features a rooftop solar-heated pool, 
All the rooms are decorated with wood furniture and rich colors. The property features a 95,000-square-foot casino, so bigger casino than the Flamingo. Oh. And it includes um, modern gym, six tennis courts, 13 restaurants, and seven bars. And if you're looking for some classic Vegas entertainment, this is the place to capture Barry Manilow's current residency. Oh, Oh, my goodness. You can, when I don't know the words. I just know that Angel liked Barry Manilow. Specifically the song Mandy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, So speaking of classic Vegas, such as Manilow, uh, we've got the most classic situation here with the Westgate. The Westgate Hotel and Casino is said to be haunted by a very, very famous ghost. Elvis. On July 1st, 1969, the Westgate, at the time called the International Hotel, opened in Las Vegas, and it was the largest hotel and casino in the world when it opened. Damn. 30 days later, it became home to one of the world's most recognizable entertainers, Elvis Presley. I knew it. So this appearance at the resort was advertised as his comeback tour, because everybody knew Elvis loves Vegas, right? Right. He's got a whole song about it. People were stoked. Yeah. The King of Rock and Roll performed 837 consecutive shows at the International Theater over seven years. I did the math. That's about 120 shows a year. Damn. His last performance at the Westgate was December of 1976. Several months later, in the summer of 1977, he passed away. Elvis's friend and fellow performer, Wayne Newton... You just saw. Talk about at the Flamingo, yep. Uh Got a phone call from the theater asking him to come and perform. And Newton did not agree right away. Um, Gordon Prouty, who is the vice president of public and community relations at the Westgate, uh, told KTNV, I believe he was hesitant about it because this was his friend. And it was his friend's stage. But he was encouraged that this was an incredible opportunity and he needed to do it. So he did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A couple of months after Presley's passing, Wayne Newton and his band created an Elvis medley, a tribute for his late friend. Before the show one evening, he was informed by one of the crew members that the balcony would be closed that night. Performers are usually made aware of this so they don't attempt to acknowledge a crowd up in the balconies. Oh. And look at the balcony, and then the spotlight goes to nothing, and you're like... It's not even the spotlight. Yeah. It's just like when you're performing on stage, you're trying to... You're acknowledge Engage. the crowd. Yeah. And so if you try to acknowledge a crowd that's not there, you're going to keep doing it because you don't want to just like back off. But then you just look like the idiot acknowledging empty seats. Right. And from <laughs> the stage, you can't see. Exactly. Exactly. It's like with the way that the lights shine. Like yeah, it's just, you, can't, you can't barely see the audience. You can see maybe the first couple of rows. Exactly. Midway through the show, Newton called for the Elvis medley. This was the first time he performed it for an audience. And while he sang, the theater lights fell and only one spotlight was left on Newton. He retells the story like this. He was singing and the heat of the spotlight was on his body. He looks up and sees what the crowd thinks of his tribute. He casts a glance at the balcony and sees a man coming down onto it. He thought that was odd since he was told it would be closed. Right. But Newton then recognized the man. Oh. It looked like Elvis on the balcony. Oh. He said that he looked him right in the eyes and smiled peacefully. 
Oh. Wayne said that this was his sign that Elvis enjoyed the performance and was appreciative of the memorial. That's beautiful. Wayne Newton described the experience as one of the best in his life. Employees and visitors alike have seen Elvis's apparition in on the casino floor and in the Tuscany suite. Apparently the Tuscany suite is where Elvis's suite used to be. Oh, okay. Um, he always had a group traveling with him, and they would all stay at that hotel with him after the show. Many who stay in the villa report feeling a presence and even seeing his apparition or hearing his music drift through the area even when there is no radio or television turned on. He's just singing. So Elvis got to see his friend perform a loving tribute and then was like, I guess I'll stick around if these people are going to keep liking me. Yeah, that's lovely. And while Elvis may be the most famous person to have been spotted at the Westgate, he is far from the only spirit on the premises. So like the Flamingo has Bugsy, Mm -hmm. Westgate has Elvis, but the Westgate has more. Okay. Any more names I know? Can I guess them in advance and make you give me that really annoyed look? (laughs) (laughs) No, there's nobody you're going to know. According to Vegas Ghosts, visitors to the Westgate Resort report strange happenings in their room as well as on the elevators. One such occurrence was reported by a longtime visitor. This guest, who preferred to remain anonymous, stayed at the Westgate with her two young children and her sister in the spring. Their room was decently sized, a bed for each adult, and a pull-out couch for the kids, which they made sure to point out that the kids were stoked about. What is it about being a kid and loving the idea of a pull-out couch? I I don't know, but I do know the sensation. Yeah, like, I remember being stoked about sleeping on a pull-out couch. We had one in our basement, and honestly, it was... It's like magic. ...really uncomfortable. Yeah. But why I, was I so stoked about it? We had a pull-out couch, too, and I loved it when we got to open it and, like, sleep on it with your cousins. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Look, I don't know, but I, I fully uh, agree with the sensation. I know. I, I get it. So everything was going really well, and the family was having a great time enjoying Las Vegas and the fun it has to offer. After a full day, they retired back to their room for showers and relaxation before another jam-packed vacay scheduled day. While one of the women was in the shower, she saw a person's silhouette outside of the curtain. She assumed it was her sister. I mean, it's a hotel room. There's one bathroom. Maybe she had to come in and grab something. Right. So she just ignored it until the water in the shower turned off. She turned to the spout and she noticed a hand pulling out from the curtain as if it had reached in and shut off the water. And you're like, sister, what a dick. Exactly. She ripped the curtain open only to reveal nothing in the bathroom with her. So she turned the water back on, finished up. And later that night, after the kids had gone to bed, she talked to her sister and was like, did you shut off the water as some kind of prank? Because like, and how'd you get out of the bathroom you so didn't fast? Need to do that. And her sister swears she hadn't. She was actually out walking the halls with the kids to get some of their excess energy out before bed while her sister was in the shower. She was alone in the room at the time and both women were stunned, but they tried not to let their fear show because you don't want to freak out the kids. No. I got literal goosebumps from that. That disembodied However, as we will quickly learn here, the children already knew about the ghost. Oh, oh, okay. Of course they did. Because later that night, one of the kids piped up and asked, can ghosts hurt you? Both women's eyes shot open, unsure of what like they were going to say to reassure him. And one of the women asked why 
he was asking such a question, and he replied with, uh, because there's a man in the bathroom, but he disappeared, and I think he's a ghost. Oh, my God. Ew. (laughs) Needless to say, the family packed up and went to stay at another hotel. Yeah. Because they were like, even, like, the hotel, Westgate handled it well. They were like, I'm so sorry. Can I give you a free, like, different room? And they were like, absolutely not. We're out of this hotel. We don't want to know. It's scary here. Yep. Hauntedplaces.org is full of people posting about their experiences as well. A lot of small posts, Mm -hmm. but a lot of consistent posts. And you'll kind of see what I'm talking here. Okay. Uh, Theo, in December of 2017, said, I just got on the central tower elevator in the lobby level by myself. I hit three and looked away for a moment. When I looked back, five was also lit. I got the hell off at three. Dana posted in February of 2018. I stayed there back in 2016. My room was super creepy. Always a presence. One night I saw something in the mirror. A quick flash of light. And the bag in my room kept rattling. When I tried to block it out and go to sleep, my iron crashed onto the floor. I grabbed my phone and ran to my friend's room for the night. Mm-mm. Vic, in August of 2018, posted, Have stayed at the Westgate about 10 times total. Once when I was sitting on the bed watching TV, the floor lamp in the corner of the room came on out of nowhere. I chalked it up to must be an electric socket, but I joke that Elvis turned it on. <laughs> I mean, it it's probably some sort of a comfort thing to yep. be like, I mean, maybe it was Elvis. <laughs> the king is alive. <laughs> Well, there's that joke that Elvis never actually died. He was just abducted by aliens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know that from Men that's, in Black. Yep, it's a common theory. It's not just a Men in Black thing. Like, that's a thing people believe. Actually, in uh, in the Vegas part of Independence Day, another Will Smith movie, somebody literally says that while they're being interviewed on the TV, I hope they bring back Elvis. <laughs> Elvis didn't die, son. He just went home. Exactly, yep. Uh, a person named C... Posted in April of 2019, me and my boyfriend were laying in bed, waking up around 8 a.m., and out of nowhere, he saw a small figure slash shadow, he said it could have been of like the size of a small girl, walking towards the bathroom. The hairs on all of his body raised. It was room 15132. So they have ghost children as well. Well, they just said it was about the size. Oh, tiny ghosts as well. Yep. A person named Henry Reyes posted in July of 2019. My boyfriend and I went to Vegas about a few days ago. We stayed there for about four nights. Our haunted experience was that we had just settled into the room and decided to go downstairs to the casinos. On our way down the hallway, we both heard some heavy breathing slash whispering. My boyfriend asked me, was that you? And I answered with no. No. Okay. Elizabeth Lemon posted a month later in August of 2019, me and my family are currently staying at the Westgate Hotel, and I'm starting to hear people running around my room very late at night. Things drop from our counters. I have also seen a shadow near my really huge mirror twice by now. It's Mm. really spooky. Liz Lemon. Yeah, that's what they put down. (laughs) And another user uh, named Yubiana posted on January 9th of 2022, My friends and I stayed at the Westgate this weekend. We were watching a movie, and they noticed the lamp was moving while there was no air nearby. So, like, no moving air. Yeah. The next morning, I was awake and was doing my makeup, and I heard footsteps behind me. 
and through the mirror I saw a shadow, which I thought was my friend, but he was actually asleep. And I turned around and through the door in the hallway a minute later saw someone walk right past by, but no footsteps. We were ready to leave and we were getting on the elevator as we heard a little girl cry right next to us when there was no one nearby. Okay, so little girl ghost. That's where, yep, it got bad. But they just said about the size of a little girl, so they didn't, ver- that first one didn't verify that okay. it was a little girl. So we've consistently got small ghosts, okay, elevators, stuff with the lamps, stuff with the mirrors, and bathrooms. I, that shower hand thing just really upset i know like i again goosebumps i think about it and oh my god and finally like there's way more posts about issues at the westgate because i found an article from september of 2021 posted on action network which is a website for sports fans and gambling enthusiasts it's very vegas heavy okay yep that makes sense and it was posted by somebody named blackjack fletcher of course it was So it says, okay, guys, bear with me on this one because I'm writing this on very little sleep and it is early in the morning out here in Vegas. As you know, I've been in the land of the desert sun for several nights now covering our Golden Knights and the Stanley Cup final. Mm -hmm. I have been staying at the Westgate here in Las Vegas. Part of it was the bigger rooms. Part of it was cost. But if we are being totally honest with each other, I wanted to stay at the hotel where Elvis played and lived when he was in Vegas. You know how I feel about the king. Yesterday was kind of a slower day. I had been out late almost every night here and needed a little rest. So after watching the Warrior-Cavs game, I wandered around for a little bit and ultimately decided to get some sleep and hopefully feel spectacular today. Not so much, unfortunately. Yeah, sounds like he's sleepy. I like my room very much here and can say nothing but wonderful things about the people at the Westgate. If I had one small, teeny, tiny issue, it's that the locations of the outlets are a little inconvenient. I've got a room with two beds, and I sleep on the one closest to the window. I like to look out the window the night before I go to sleep and tell Las Vegas that I love it. Cute. It's our little thing. Unfortunately, the nearest outlet is at the foot of the other bed. So last night, I plugged in my phone and placed it on the bed next to mine, and then I got into bed. After I turned out all the lights, I get into bed and put a can of lime seltzer on the nightstand. Never know when you might wake up thirsty. This had kind of been the routine since I had been there, so you'll understand my surprise when I awoke to the sound of my cell phone hitting the wall. Uh, I don't know why I sounded like a goat there. (laughs) (laughs) Now, just so you know, I'm not insane here. I was still in bed. I sat up and saw my phone on the floor across from the bed where it was plugged in. It was disconcerting, but I didn't think a lot of it other than I wanted to get back to sleep. So I got up, grabbed the phone, and realized the bathroom light was on. Now, I know I turn the lights off because I sleep with all of the lights off. Yeah. I like to rise with the natural light of the sun, hence the opening the window shades. Uh I walked around to the bathroom and turned the lights off, got my phone, and set it on the nightstand and went back to sleep. A little less than an hour later, I was awakened by the sound of my phone falling to the floor next to the nightstand. At this point, I was getting annoyed, so I took the phone and decided I would just hold the damn thing while I slept so it didn't wake me up anymore. The next time I was disturbed was around 4.30 a.m. when there was no sound, but rather something I saw. Directly across from my bed is the portrait of Marilyn Monroe. I hadn't paid very much attention to it until this morning when I, because I woke up and I swear on a stack of Bibles, brothers, that the portrait was now Elvis. (laughs) White jumpsuit (laughs) from the Aloha from Hawaii concert. It was unmistakably Elvis. 
So this portrait that he knows as Marilyn Monroe looked like Elvis. What? <laughs> my first thought was to take a picture of this magical transformation. But when I reached for my cell phone, it was once again on the floor. Three separate locations, three times on the floor. I did that thing where you rub your eyes and blink really hard. Elvis was still there. I got up, grabbed the phone, and Elvis was gone when I turned back. So it was back to a Marilyn Monroe portrait. That's so weird. (laughs) I've been up ever since then and spent a considerable amount of time Googling Las Vegas haunted spots. And lo and behold, the Westgate is rumored to be one of the most haunted places in all of Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Just to be clear, I've never been a ghost guy. But hell, after last night, maybe I'm becoming one. Either way, if that was you, Elvis, I love you. Huge fan, and I come in peace. I I love that. (laughs) I love... How he took it in strides, and he's like, well, fuck. I mean, yeah, Elvis, if it's you, I love you, man. I also love that he's not a ghost guy. Yeah. And so his logic was, I swear to fucking God, I just want to go to bed. Like, <laughs> like at that point, he's just annoyed that his phone keeps falling. He's like, I just want to sleep. I don't even, I, oh my God, I don't even care. You don't I'm even care tired. that the lights are on. I don't care that you keep moving things around. Just let me sleep. <sighs> um. So I was looking around for tragedies or things because, I mean, obviously Elvis passing away tragedy was a tragedy, but mm-hmm. it's not at all related to the Westgate. That's just where he performed. Right. It makes sense that he goes back to haunt there because that's a lot of repeat performances. Mm-hmm. It sounds like he really loved the place yeah. and was happy to perform there. Uh-huh. But that doesn't explain all this weird room shit. No. <laughs> right? Like Bugsy had a very obvious haunted spot. Yeah. Um, Elvis might have a few spots, but I can't see him being this weirdly aggressive with so many people. Yeah, I feel like it's got to be multiple people, but maybe he focused on this guy because he loved Elvis so much. So I just looked it up, and as far as what tragedies might account for such an intense haunting, other than just, you know, normal hotel stuff, because hotels be haunted, we know that. Mm -hmm. I did find this. On the night of February 10th, 1981, a major fire occurred in the hotel. Philip Bruce Klein, a hotel busboy who was under the influence of drugs, set fire to a curtain in an elevator lobby on the 8th floor of the East Tower. The fire spread rapidly and claimed the lives of 8 people, while another 350 were injured. It took only 25 minutes for the fire to reach the top of the building. Oh, my God. The fire caused an estimated $10 million in damage, and Klein was convicted in 1982 of arson and murder, sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. The hotel paid out a $23 million settlement to the victim's families. Did, did you see anything like a little girl who was murdered, or um, just, just the general I, number? It's just the general number. Okay. Um, I'm guessing... It sounds, from what I can gather, that Westgate handled that really well. They had no issues, like, paying out a settlement. It was very obviously this guy's fault. It was not the hotel doing bad. It was this guy's fault. Yeah, the guy on drugs who set fire to a curtain in a full hotel. And set this massive fire that killed people and then injured hundreds of others. But at, at that point, I'm guessing because it was... Handled as well as something like that could be handled, Mm -hmm. from what I can tell by the hotel. People did not feel the need to put out there all of these details about who was was killed and who was injured. 
because it was like it, handled it as much as it could be. Yeah, it didn't need to be sensationalized because the hotel was like, shit, fuck. Okay, we got you. Yep. Maybe if I dug a little more, I could have found something. But honestly, at that point, it felt a little weird. Yeah. So, I mean, it definitely could have been a child or, I mean, that would also explain, though, that's a very, fire deaths are scary, yeah. terrifying. And I feel like we hear a lot about hauntings after a fire. Yes. yes and so that do. would explain kind of the pranky, like, pressing buttons, passing by you in a, like, mirror, mm-hmm. messing with lamps, that kind of, like, throwing your phone off, stuff that's not directly hurting anybody but is a little bit more aggressive than just your standard ghostly figure okay hear hear me out the phone thing ghost cat (laughs) 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 a ghost cat is possible i guess but i (laughs) i'm just not leaning that way i there's there's no other things that would indicate a ghost cat so i'm i'm I don't know that I'm fully bought in on that theory. Ah, uh, fine. I also don't know why a cat would be in a Vegas hotel, but, you know. <laughs> so maybe Elvis had a cat. So that is the story of the Flamingo and the Westgate. Okay. On a skeptic scale of para to normal, para being five, normal being one, first, what are you going to give the Flamingo? Three. Okay, okay. I was going to go two. <laughs> I just like to be nice to you, Kayla. No, and I appreciate that. I was going to because I could see Bugsy hanging around, right. maybe. That one story, like you said, it didn't fully buy me in. It was very much like a, a Karen being a Karen. And then I could see, like I said, I could see Bugsy hanging around, but also he didn't die there. Right. And I don't know. So two and a three. Yep. Probably pretty. haunted. Hotels are likely to be haunted, but not fully buying in. Yep, pretty meh. How about the Westgate? Five. Nice. Me too. Five. (laughs) I love that the Marilyn Monroe picture turned into Elvis. One, I love that so much. Uh, Two, I, we tell each other a lot of really spooky stories on here. Yeah. And it is very rare that I get like full body shivers. I'm just going to say that that's a sign. Absolutely. The creepy ass hand that turns the water off. I know. Nobody wants to see a random hand in the shower. No. And like, what a weird thing to do. And then the little kids who are like. Can ghosts hurt you? There's a ghost man in the, sh- in the bathroom. Like, what? No. I really don't like that story. <laughs> did they say what room that was? No, they did not. Oh, that's mean. <laughs> What if I want to go try and experience Elvis, but I get the weird bathroom guy? Well, first of all, uh, it sounds like there's enough. There's no way all these people stayed in the same rooms. So, and they don't even, doesn't even sound like they were necessarily on the same floor because there was also elevator stuff. Yeah, but that's the only one that I really want to avoid. The others are fine. Who knows how many people saw a hand in their shower <gasps> in other rooms? Oh, God, why? Maybe it's not limited to one room. Maybe it's everywhere. You don't know. But like I wanna I wanna experience Elvis. I also think the one part of Blackjack's story that didn't get me was the Elvis thing. Because I think at that point, mm-hmm. like if he's got a portrait of Marilyn Monroe, uh-huh. she's usually wearing white. Yeah. And Paste, then pasty white person wearing white. Right. You know? And when you are sleep deprived and constantly being screwed with, 
Like maybe his brain, because he loves Elvis so much, did something there. I could easily see that being explained away. I can't explain away the phone getting like dropped constantly. Ghost cat. I don't know what about this you don't understand, <laughs> Kayla. Ghost cat. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, jeez, guys. They're so silly. So silly, these ghost cats. <laughs> what do you got for me this week? Well, tonight I'm going to tell you about Squire's Castle in Willoughby Hills, Iowa. Ohio. Not Iowa. Where is it again? Fuck, I didn't even think of that. Where, 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 where is it? Willoughby Hills, Ohio. Are you going to sing it? I don't sing that song. You do. But I'm just trying to get you on board. And I can't make it on my own because my heart is in Ohio. All right. <laughs> We're fine to move on. <laughs> so, first of all, when I say the main character's name, y'all are going to know that it's a reference to Supernatural. But I, for some reason, can't not say it that way. Winchester? And I'm sorry. So our story starts tonight with a man named Fergus O'Connor Bowden Squire, uh, sometimes <laughs> referred to as F.B. Squire. And during the 1870s and 1880s, Fergus worked at the, uh, for the Standard Oil Company. After the company bought out his own Ohio-based company, Newman, Squire, and Company. Around this time, Farragus met his soon-to-be <laughs> wife, uh, Louisa Chris, uh, Christina Braymeyer. And the couple officially tied the knot on December 26th, 1876. All right. By the 1890s, Farragas <laughs> was now an executive at the Standard Oil Company. He was very successful and very wealthy because apparently he had developed the first oil carrier wagon that allowed for oil to be shipped over land. Nice. Because it was all basically by train or boat before, right? I guess so. I believe so. I don't really know much about the oil industry. Especially from the 1800s, but I appreciate your knowledge that you bring to this situation. <laughs> it's so nice. Anyway, so by this time, he was wealthy. And he was at the point in his life where he decided that he wanted to move a bit further out of the Cleveland area. Uh, though not really that far. I looked at a map. It's not that far. Because he was looking to build a house for himself and his wife that could be more of an estate. It's that, that thing that people do where they're like... I don't want to live in the city, but I don't want to live so far away from the city that I can't visit the city. Right. That's where all the happening parties are. And such explains suburbs. It sounded like you said suburbs. 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 So he had lived in Cleveland proper, and then he moved to a place referred to as Wycliffe's Millionaire Row. Uh, which was a bit further out of Cleveland, but it was still like really close to Cleveland. Mm -hmm. But now that he had become successful, he had started to think about the English castles that he had grown up with prior to immigrating to the U.S. when he was just a wee lad. And he thought, I want to build my own castle. Hell yeah. So in 1980, Farragus <laughs> purchased 
Fergus, uh, (laughs) (laughs) purchased 525 acres of forested land just outside of Cleveland in an area that is now known as Willoughby Hills. Okay. He referred to this plot of land as the River Farm Estate, and he had these grand plans of turning it into some kind of English country estate, complete with a manor house. Like, What is a manor house? Um, it's like when you see these big, beautiful estates in England, and sometimes they have smaller houses on the property, but then there's that one giant big one that's almost castle-like. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So he was like, I'm just going to buy into this whole Mr. Fancy Pants thing. Absolutely. So he purchased this land, and then five years later, he began building a gatekeeper's house, which I had to look up um, because I am not from England, and I am clearly not fancy. It's a kind of lodge at the entrance of the driveway to an estate. Oh, okay, yep. I can picture that in my head now. Yep. 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 So even though this was not meant to be the manor of the property— According to Weird Ohio, the original plans called for an enormous three-story building that included several bedrooms, a living room, a kitchen with a breakfast porch, and even a hunting room and library. And Fergus spared no expense. The plaster walls were adorned with massive amounts of woodwork and leaded glass windows. Wow. It was designed in the Romanesque revival style inspired by English and German castles. And it was a painstakingly slow build. And it wasn't even completed until 1897. So it took 12 years. Well, yeah. I mean, castle, I feel like it's reasonable to expect that a castle would take a long time to build. Except for, so it's this is not actually meant to be a castle. This was literally supposed to be the gatekeeper's house. The manor that he wanted to build was supposed to be grander and bigger. Oh, okay, okay. I guess I was getting the buildings confused in my head. Yeah, so they, they just wanted to, they were basically going to build, like, a smaller prop, like house on the property Yeah, bef- so that they could, like, hang out there while their grand manor was being constructed. And this somehow still ended up being... Grand and beautiful. <laughs> um, and it was also, quote-unquote, exceedingly rustic. Exceedingly. <laughs> With no electricity, natural gas, running water, or sewer system. (laughs) Exceedingly rustic sounds like how you would try to politely describe a house that looks like a Hicks house. Yeah, it's This sounds way fancier than a Hicks house. Yeah. (laughs) It's exceedingly rustic, don't you know? It's like cottagecore, but exceedingly rustic. So this building would eventually be known as Squire's Castle as the manor itself would never end up being built, as Fergus Squire's efforts were met with difficulty obtaining both building materials as well as labor. So they 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 built the the gatekeeper's house, but when it came to the actual manor, it was they just nothing fucking worked out for him. <laughs> uh, Fergus did end up using the castle as a weekend country home and even spent the majority of the summer of 1903 there. His wife Louisa didn't care for it. He loved it. She was like, I don't like it here. I don't do exceedingly rustic. Give me indoor plumbing or give me death. Actually, allegedly, shortly after Fergus told his wife he had these plans to build this grand estate, Louisa began having terrible nightmares about hideous beasts charging out of the woods and killing her and her children. Oof. 
And when they spent time at the property, the nightmares not only continued, but they got worse and worse to the point where she basically just wouldn't sleep while she was there. And according to legend, the less sleep she got, the more irrational she became. That tracks. Yeah, Yeah. folks are wont to do. This is why sleeping is important. Uh, You tend to go a bit mental without it. It's why people deal with insanely annoying sleep studies to try to figure out their sleep schedule because it's bad when you can't sleep. Yeah, yeah, it's, I've, i Nobody I've had, chooses to do that. No, it's not fun, y'all. It's not fun. So days after no sleep, she began to really believe that there were monsters out in the woods and that they were trying to get her and her family. Per Weird Ohio quote, she had a tradition for herself. Every night she took a red lantern and walked around the border of the huge estate. She felt that she was guarding her family against the animals that she knew were waiting just beyond the tree line to attack them. This went on for months. Her husband tried to convince her that they were safe, but she was obsessed with the idea that these animals were out there somewhere, unquote. Oh, God. Oh, that poor woman is just terrified and nothing can fix it. No. Except to leave. Exactly. But they spent the whole summer there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So eventually, and thank goodness for Louisa's mental health, the squires began to visit the property less and less, and by 1908, they had all but abandoned the property. Okay. In 1922, Fergus sold the property after becoming mayor of Wycliffe. Uh, The developers who had purchased the property ended up going bankrupt shortly after, and the house was seized by a local bank. And in 1925, the Cleveland Park Board, uh, now known as Cleveland Metro Parks, Purchased most of the former River Farm State, including the gatekeeper's house. And it was at this point that folks started calling it the Squire's Castle. So the the Squire Fergus himself, Fergus Squire, didn't actually call it the castle. This is something that the like Park Board of Cleveland decided oh, to call okay, it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. The Park Board removed the two upper floors and they filled in the basement. I don't know why. They just did. Fill it with concrete. And they did. Uh, what's the quote? I can't think of the quote. It's a Buffy quote when they talk about the initiative. Oh, where yeah. At the end where they're like. Uh, yep, after the battle. And they're like, fill it. Fill it with concrete. And then just basically say, well, forget all about it. And then it turns out later, they didn't fill it with concrete. You know what? I don't even care. This is not Prophecy Girls. We are not a spoiler-free podcast. They did not fill it with concrete, so I'm waiting for you to tell me that they did not fill it with concrete and then there were demons down there. Not to my knowledge. Oh, okay. (laughs) But it would be funny if that was the case. It would be. That would be an interesting conversation to continue and meld this podcast with Prophecy Girls. There you go. But it doesn't. (laughs) So... (laughs) Over the years, the building has experienced a lot of vandalism. Smokes, uh, smokes, <laughs> folks have smashed <laughs> okay. the leaded glass windows and removed the woodwork detail. And then in 1995, the park board restored the structure, making it safe to visit again. Now, Squire's Castle and the grounds are used for weddings, engagement photos, picnics, LARPing. And I want to go LARPing. A place to tell ghost stories about. I want to go LARPing in Ohio. You have to see this place, though. Oh, hold on one second. Okay. LARPing. 
These oh, are people LARPing. Oh my God. Oh, that'd be the perfect. It's so much room for activities. And then you've got that gorgeous, like, I know it's not supposed to be a castle, but like castle-like building. In the, it looks like a castle. It looks like a castle. Like, I can't believe that that was not their castle. That would be perfect. You sh- they should hold a Renaissance fair thing there. All right. You get a hold of the, what was it, Cleveland Metro Parks organization, and we'll, we'll do a Renaissance fair there. Quick poll for the crowd. If I <laughs> tried to set up a Left of Skeptic Presents Renaissance Fair and LARPing Festival in Ohio, who would come? In Cleveland, Ohio. So it's not it's nowhere not, Ohio. Yeah. It's really close to Cleveland. Like, who would come? We, we, we could discuss tent situations. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out a whole thing. This will not be a quickly planned and, you know, slapdash event. Like, we will make this a thing. Who will come with me? Will you? Well, you hate camping. We'll have to figure something out for you. I'll, I'll get a little camper. There you go. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. not on the LARPing property because you got to stay on theme. Yeah, obviously. Okay. All I'll right. just come visit for the day and be all wenchy. <laughs> Take my boobs out. Every lady's dream. <laughs> just be all wenchy. Yep. Anyway, so in addition to the LARPing, it was it's a really good place to tell ghost stories about. Because it looks like a motherfucking castle. Absolutely. Because, of course, what kind of castle would it be without a ghost? Yes. According to local legend, during one of her insomnia plague nights, when Louisa Squire went out to check the house and grounds with her red lantern, she ventured into her husband's hunting room. While there, something frightened Louisa something awful. And while some folks believe that it was just her own red-lit reflection, because she had that red lamp, Others believe that she saw the face of something unearthly that night. Depending on, oh, sorry. <laughs> Hold on, Kayla. Let me, okay. Either way, red lit reflection, something unearthly, we don't know. She fled the room in terror. But in the darkness, she was unable to see her way. She fell and broke her neck. Oh, no. Oh, now, what funny joke were you going to put in there, Kayla? It wasn't a joke. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, if it was a hunting room, yes. depending on what they mean by hunting room, uh-huh. like if it's a room where he keeps his guns and he keeps trophies from hunting. It was the tr- it was her reflection in the trophies. And then like, but like also like if there was like, say. Dead animals. A, like a taxidermied animal. Yeah. That, in the wrong lighting, could look extremely terrifying as well. So it's not even necessarily a reflection or a ghosty. If it was something like a taxidermied animal, in the wrong lighting, those are fucking scary. In regular lighting, they're really fucking scary, Kayla. They're that's, really upsetting. That's an agree to disagree thing, but yes. <laughs> and actually, I think it's really funny because one of the sources said that she saw her reflection in the trophies as if they were literal, like, metal trophies. But <laughs> realistically, they would have been animals. Yep. Are the trophies. I want to start collecting taxidermied animals, but it's very expensive. If I ever find them, I'll, I'll, I'll buy you them. Please. I'll thrift store and estate sale all your taxidermied weird things. Thank you. Yeah. So when Fergus found her body the next morning, he was overcome with grief. And he blamed himself for her death. He knew that she was afraid of the house, and still he insisted she come with him, which is like, yeah, fucking Fergus. Why did you do that? Yep, 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 yep. Jerk. 
So he stopped all plans for construction of the manor and filled the basement, which is where the hunting room was with concrete. He moved back to the city, never to return to the property again. Can't say I blame him. To this day, folks claim to see the light of a red lantern through the windows. <laughs> the winders. Uh, making me sound exceedingly rustic there. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, folks claim to see the light of a red lantern through the windows of Squire Castle at night. The light, of course, being that of the ghost of Mrs. Squire. Uh, stuck wandering the grounds of the house she hated so much for all eternity. Oh, sad. In, in fact, it's said that due to her state of mind prior to death, she doesn't even know that she's dead. And she wanders in death as she did in life to protect her family. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh, that's so sad. However, Louisa did not die in some horrible accident in the summer of 19. 19- Oh, three. oh, so this was all bullshit? You were making me feel bad for no reason? Nor, <laughs> nor did she die at Squire's Castle. In fact, Louisa Squire didn't die until 1927 at the age of 72 in her home in Wycliffe, Ohio from pneumonia. Bullshit artist right there. You lied to me. You had me feeling bad for this woman thinking she saw like a taxidermied like ferret or some shit and then like ran off and broke her neck and it's all a lie. I said you it was lied to I me. said it was local legend. <laughs> and while the house did have a hunting room, it was not in the basement, which was also not filled until after the Cleveland Park Board purchased the land in 1925. But liar. <laughs> I said it was local legend. <laughs> But allegedly in the 1960s and 70s is when folks really started to spend time there uh, doing nefarious things and when the bulk of the vandalism occurred. And according to hauntedhouses.com, biker gangs, (laughs) devil worshippers, (laughs) and others doing animal sacrifices frequented this area. That sounds some uh, like some 80s satanic panic started bullshit to me. Again, I stress the allegedly. Because, <laughs> yep. yes, it indeed sounds like some bullshit satanic panic. Except for the biker gangs. I mean. Honest, biker gangs are usually just going to hang out at a bar or they're going to have their own clubhouse. They're not going to hang out. You don't know what the biker gang scene is like in Cleveland, okay? <laughs> Maybe you are correct, ma'am. Yes, maybe, you, you are right. Maybe old castle looking buildings is the best they got. And then they're like, and, and you know, I don't know how the biker gangs, maybe biker gangs leads to double worship. <laughs> it's like a gateway gang. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. And also, allegedly, there were quite a few people who had unalived themselves in the woods and on the property near the castle. So evidence of the alleged hauntings includes an apparition of an anxious woman who has been seen throughout the years peering out the second floor window, shining a lantern. An eerie red glow of a lantern that has been seen moving from window to window on what was the second floor and on the first floor. The anguished screams of a woman are heard at night. Apparitions have been seen wandering the ground, and orbs have been photographed just outside the castle and in the woods nearby. Okay. So while it is highly unlikely that it is the ghost of Louisa Squire, because, you know, she didn't die there, nor did she really spend a lot of time there because she hated it. (laughs) 
per hauntedhouses.com on whether or not it is still haunted, quote, yes, indeed, but by whom? Lots of candidates, but no proof to identify the restless ones, just evidence that they're there, unquote. And that is the story of Squire Castle in Ohio. All right, all right, all right. I liked that one. I don't know. You seemed really mad in the middle there. Just because you lied to me. I did not lie. I said it was local <laughs> legend, Kayla. But it gave, like, it gave very creepy visuals. I know. You're welcome. So, I, I was a fan. All right. Yeah. As far as a skeptic scale, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go middle of the road three. Because mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. don't think it's Louisa. No, it's not. It's 100% not her. But abandoned locations that yeah. do get devil vandalized. I wasn't even talking about the devil worshippers and animal <laughs> sacrificers. I was more talking about LARPers. The- <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's haunted by LARPers. Is this- oh, people Is must this- be so confused. They're like, wait. Okay, so, why are you dressed as a m- medieval knight in okay. Ohio? I don't understand. Oh, all right, so we have had a lot of new listeners in the past few episodes. Yeah, um, and I feel like they might not all be the same, like ilk as we are. So I feel like I need to explain. It's a little late in the game, but if you don't know what a LARPer is, they are live action role players. Think Dungeons and Dragon nerds that act the stuff out and wear like the elaborate like renaissance fair costumes Uh but they literally act out the battles and have this whole it's like playing D &D in like in costume yeah yeah and you're acting it out you're not just like sitting at a table you are out there it's really cool you're larping it's you're live action role-playing okay it's cooler than that tone just made it sound ma'am um Okay, watch the Supernatural episode with Charlie when she's the queen. Yes. And they're LARPing. Yes. I'm just saying that's like your best. And there's that really pretty fairy. It's like a whole big thing. Anyway. Um, um, so, so, but what I was getting at is anytime a location like that is abandoned and farther away from everything else, you're going to get the people that are going to, Hang out there. You might have people who hurt themselves. You might have people who overdose. You might have, like, there's any number of things that could happen. So I don't think it's unreasonable to expect that there is somebody haunting there. Yep. So I'm going to go straight three. Cool. I'm going to give it a 2.5. Okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool, 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 mm-hmm. cool, cool, cool. Honestly, the whole satanic panic bullshit really put me off. Legit, yeah. Um. But it does seem like a fun place to pretend that I am a fairy. You're definitely going fae if we do this, aren't you? Oh, fuck yeah, I'm going fae. Obviously. We could start a Kickstarter for this. It'd be your first Left of Skeptic Kickstarter. <laughs> and it has nothing really to do with the podcast. It's all for <laughs> a LARPing well, We expedition. will need the funds. Like, this is not something I can just back on my own. Like, uh, we will same. need help. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Same. Let us know if you're interested. <sighs> Anyway, speaking of let us know things, as I said, we've had a few new listeners. Uh-huh. Um, we got an email from a couple of them. Oh. And so I know that there are a few haunted suggestions or listener requests out there. 
I will get to them when I can. It's kind of a, uh, we're going to work it in as yeah. we go type yeah. scenario. That's exciting though. Yeah. Well, our numbers have gone up, which we appreciate. It's so cool. Yeah. Y'all, thank you. Yeah. Uh, like us, review us, subscribe, share with your friends. Uh, especially if they're into LARPing. Apparently, sometimes we talk about it. And we're planning this amazing event in <laughs> Cleveland, Ohio. And by sometimes, we mean this one time. <laughs> um, so we've got, uh, if you've got Apple, you can rate us. You've got Spotify, you can rate us. Yes. You've got Google, you can write a review. Okay. Um, if you want, you can go on Facebook and rate it. Like, anything you want. We appreciate all of that because it helps us get reach out to more people. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And uh, and that's we, how we're going to make this LARPing thing happen. And that's also how we're going to be able to go to more events and do other cool things that uh, we're trying to maybe do with our future. Really, we just need listeners, which will eventually get us money, and then we can try and get Kayla haunted. That's always the goal. Anyway, so uh, so also, uh, if you have any other suggestions for places, we will add you to the list. If you have any paranormal experiences you would like to share with us, we mm-hmm. love those. Those are our favorite. And uh, anything you really want to send to us at all, you can email us directly, leftofskeptic at gmail.com. You can also visit our website, www.leftofskeptic.com, and click the Listener Stories tab at the top of the page. You can also get there through the link tree in our bio. You can choose to remain anonymous or include your name, whatever you are the most comfortable with. We just ask that you please include your pronouns. You can also follow us on social media. We are on TikTok. Please follow us on TikTok. Kayla is so sad that we don't have enough followers. <laughs> uh, Instagram and Twitter at Left of Skeptic and Facebook at Left of Skeptic Podcast. Well, Thank you all for joining us this week. We love you and appreciate you very much. Oh, we appreciate you all so much. Happy Spooky Wednesday. Happy Spooky Wednesday. Oh. Oh. Okay. Oh. <laughs> One, Where are two. we? One, two, three. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>of skeptic podcast is written and hosted by kayla moria and Brittany lind this week's episode is edited by me Brittany lind the left of skeptic music is by dave melling and emily havoc and our artwork is by al leblanc okay bye where are we <laughs>